Ross FM 94.6 Broadcasting around the world on the World Wide Web Listen in online at rossfm.ie Tune in to Note Self on Ross FM 94.6, presented by Adam O'Dwyer. Note Self is on the airways every Friday between 10 and 11 a.m. Tune in on rossfm.ie forward slash live. That's Note Self, presented by Adam O'Dwyer, on the airways every Friday between 10 and 11 a.m. Only on Ross FM 94.6. Good morning, you're listening to Note to Self on Ross FM. I'm Adam Edouard and you can find me every Friday morning from 10am to 11am right here on Ross FM. We're almost through another week, so to celebrate, let's start the hour off with a little music. This is Born This Way by Lady Gaga. It doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M, A-M, A-M, A-M. Put your paws up, cause you were born this way, baby. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair, put my lipstick on. In the glass of her boudoir There's nothing wrong with loving who you are She said, cause he made you perfect, babe So hold your head up, girl, and you'll go far Don't be a drag, just be a queen. Don't be a drag, just be a queen. Give yourself prudence and love your friends. Subway can rejoice your truth. In the religion of the insecure, I must be myself, respect my youth. A different love is not a sin. Believe capital H.
Don't be a drag, just be a queen. Whether you're broke or evergreen, your black, white, beige, show descent, your Lebanese, your Orient. Whether life's disabilities left you outcast, for leader teased. Rejoice and love yourself today, cause baby, you were born this no way. No matter gay, straight or bi, lesbian, transgender life, I'm on the right track, baby, I was born to survive. No matter black, white, or beige, should I Hopefully you're having a great morning so far. I'm Adam and this is Note to Self on Ross FM. If you tune in every week, you may already know this, but a few weeks ago we had the privilege of speaking with Ollie Bell, who is one of the organizers of the trans and intersex pride events. Ollie is a trans activist, and while it was a really great learning opportunity speaking with them, Ollie did bring up some things that I personally believe are often forgotten about when people think about Pride these days, and that is the fact that it originally began as a protest. So on today's show, we're going to have a detailed look into the origin of Pride and how it's evolved over the years from that protest to the more of a celebration that you see nowadays. We're also going to be showcasing some songs performed by LGBTQ talent, so stay tuned for that. But to start off, I want to bring you back to the 1960s, when being gay was still largely criminalised, and during this time in Britain, a secret queer language called Polari emerged. Polari uh, followed the same grammatical rules as English, but it borrowed words and phrases from other languages like Latin as well as Cockney slang. Some English words were spelled backwards, and then there were also some new words that were invented just for the language. While it still survived in some form to this day, I think we've largely replaced a lot of it. If you were to look back at some of the words that were used, you'd find that over the years they've become derogatory and would be offensive today. And they've been replaced by more updated versions like transgender and and non-binary and things like that that we spoke about with Ollie a few weeks ago when they were on the show. Polari itself began to decline in popularity after comedian Kenneth Williams used it in a radio program, which made it too well known to serve its original purpose. And in 2004, the BBC made it a topic of a short documentary. Polari, which is also known as Paliari, is, for me, it's something absolutely fascinating. It's 
particularly because it's dying. It's, it's a secret code, it's an underground code, a very rich code, but a kind of alternative language. And there aren't many real alternative languages left, if any. And it's identified nowadays, has been since the 60s, with gay culture. First of all, you could recognise somebody else who spoke that language, but also you would speak in a way which other people wouldn't understand. So you could talk about cruising, you could talk about men who were omis, bisexual men were omi palomis, women were palones. I mean, it was full of those kind of code words. And Bona Lally's on the, uh, on the omi. Yeah, the omi's in there. <laughs> What's it mean? Well, it's very nice, nice legs. Theatre people were outcasts, rather like gypsies. So you find that a lot of the old Polari has got sort of the Romany connotations in it, um, with the Italian, you know, mangiare to, to eat and vada to look. It was the gays who ended up taking it as their secret code in the 60s when they needed, they still needed an underground identity. It would all be done in the side of the mouth, wasn't it? It was always oh, done yes, with yes, glass yes. or cigarettes, you know, Valda the Omi just walked in, you know, you know Nancy yes. Rye or no, <laughs> Nancy Rye, but, um, but yeah, Boner Eve. Yes. Yeah. What's Boner Eve? No, nice, nice face. face. Bona to Vardy Adoli Aldeek is probably the most famous saying, which means it's good to see your welcome, nice uh, face. Bona is, is like buono and bono. It comes from Latin, uh, it, Italic languages, Italian, Spanish. Um, Varda is Romany, meaning to look at or be aware of, so it's nice to look at. Uh, your dolly, dolly is a Victorian slang, British phrase for kind of attractive and sexually available. And then ecaf is back slang, it's the word face. Um, spelt backwards. So this is, it's great, it's great to see your, your attractive face again. That was an excerpt from the 2004 BBC4 short documentary on Polari. You're listening to Note to Self on Ross FM with me, Adam O'Dwyer. Polari is a really interesting topic that we could go into much greater detail on in a future show, but for today I just wanted to touch on it before we get into a bit more of the origins of the Pride Festivals and how they've evolved into what they are today. So in the 1950s things had been quite rough for queer people with a lot of raids taking place trying to catch people in gay acts in order to arrest or even blackmail them and that led to the homosexual law reform being founded in the UK in 1957 and it's interesting to see as well that the gay acts that were the motivation behind these raids were decriminalised in England and Wales nine years later in 1967, which was actually a couple of years before the Stonewall riots took place in New York. In case you're completely unfamiliar with it, the Stonewall riots were are largely credited as the origin of Pride, but we'll get onto that in more detail later. But it does highlight the different approaches that the UK and the US had to take on their journey to decriminalize homosexuality. But as well, I just want to mention that this year a good friend bought me a really interesting book about Pride. It's called The Little Book of Pride by Lewis Laney. I found it incredibly useful as a reference point for today's show and honestly I can't recommend it enough so if you do want to know more about Pride after you finish listening to this I do suggest picking up a copy. Another reason why I'm bringing this up is that in the book Laney points out that in the UK the approach to decriminalizing same-sex acts was very much about saying that homosexuals could fit in with society without disrupting heterosexuals. However, in the US, the approach was very flamboyant. 
Uh, I'm actually going to read you a quote from the book. It's worth noting that all of this took place in the UK before the Stonewall riots. And it's interesting to see that it was a very different demographic of queer people who helped move gay rights forward in the USA. While Wildblood openly proclaimed that homosexuals were good, that they would assimilate into mainstream society, and that they couldn't be spotted by the average heterosexual, it was the drag queens, transvestites, femboys, butch dykes, and the unashamedly out and proud queer community who fought back in 1969's New York City. You know, without the book, I think I probably would have jumped straight into talking about the Stonewall riots and made little or no reference to some of the organizations that worked to sway public opinion about gay rights in the USA at the time. And in a lot of ways, I think that would have been a mistake because they did undoubtedly prepare society for the paradigm shift that would take place after the riots. So one of those groups was actually the Madican Society. Um, I, I don't know how familiar you are with French and Italian culture, but the name actually relates to the French medieval mask group called Society Madican, who got their name from Italian theatre. I guess the main idea behind using the name was that gay people at the time, and even to some extent now, were forced to hide behind masks. But the main goal behind the Madican society was to bring homosexual and heterosexual people together to educate people about the unethical treatment of homosexual people, to be socially conscious and to assist those who had been victimized as a result of the oppression that was going on against homosexuals. The Madigan Society took an approach that was very similar to what was going on in the UK. It was very peaceful and it was about spreading awareness, but they were very clever. So in the 1960s, being gay was not a criminal offense in the US. However, engaging in gay acts was. And at the time, a bar could actually be shut down if they were found to be what is known as a disorderly house. And one of the things that could get them declared a disorderly house would be to serve an openly gay person. So the Madigan Society were inspired by sit-in protests. So instead, they arranged their own protests and they, they called them a sip-in. So what they would do is they would visit a bar and they would take a photographer or a journalist with them. They would announce themselves to be homosexuals and order a drink in the hope that they could get photographic evidence of being refused a drink so that they could make an official complaint to the licensing board to have this practice overturned. However, in a twist of irony, the first few bars served them because they honestly, the only thing they cared about was that they were paying customers. And in fact, the first place that actually refused service was a gay bar that didn't want to stir up trouble with the police. You can actually still find these pictures. In April 2016, the New York Times ran an article about sip-ins and you can see one of the photographs that was taken at the time. The picture was taken in 1966 in a bar in the West Village and shows a bartender covering the drink with his hand and refusing to serve the men after they've announced they're gay. It's definitely worth a look and maybe even a read of the article because it does go into a little bit of detail 
about the story behind the photo. While the Madakin Society is fairly well known, the Little Book of Pride did mention a, another group that I had never heard of that were operating at the time called the Daughters of Bilitis. In the 1950s, homosexuality was deemed as a security risk. And the reason behind that was that it made people extremely vulnerable to being blackmailed. All anyone would have to do is take a photograph of someone engaging in a gay act and that would be enough to blackmail them. So that made it very difficult for gay people to get certain jobs and this was a contributing factor to the increased police raids in gay bars in an effort to catch people engaging in homosexual acts. So in a direct response to this, the Daughters of Bilitis was founded originally as a way for lesbians to meet away from these bars and completely avoid the risk of being arrested in a raid. Uh, but they did join forces with the Madakin Society to take part in an annual peaceful protest on Independence Day. During this, they would dress in clothes that would be stereotypically associated with their gender and march carrying signs asking for homosexuals to be equal under the law in an effort to remind the government that thousands of people were being denied rights due to their sexuality. This was very similar to the approach taken in the UK in that the main motivation behind it seems to be to tell people how well homosexuals could fit into a heterosexual society. But being asked to fit into a heterosexual society wasn't enough for the people at Stonewall, many of whom had been harassed and bullied and oppressed for their entire lives. We're going to take a short break now, but when we come back, we'll be talking about the Stonewall riots. So be sure to stay tuned. You're listening to Note to Self on Ross FM, and we'll be right back. Revolution Laundry, the self-service 18kg Revolution Laundry machine, can wash and dry your bedding, curtains, outdoor furniture, throws, car covers or mats for as little as 10 euro. We are located all across Ireland in mainly large supermarkets and forecourts. Find your nearest Revolution Laundry machine on our website www.revolutionlaundry.ie don't miss out on our Facebook giveaway to win a week worth of free washing. Revolution Laundry is partnered with Tesco, Circle K, Supervalue, Apple Green and independent sites. Our machines are for domestic use only. This product is for over 18 existing adult smokers and vapors only as it contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive substance. Nordic spirit is all around us. Because we are always ready for action, which is why we enjoy Nordic Spirit nicotine pouches. With no smoke, no vapour and no tobacco, they are ready when we are. For adventure or chill time, for day or night, for whenever you want to make a good moment great. Nordic Spirit, in smooth mint or berry citrus, it's the Nordic way to enjoy nicotine. Follow us on Instagram at NordicSpirit underscore IE. Are you home improving this year? Tracy Decor is a leading supplier of top best quality brands in Roscommon Town and beyond. We pride ourselves in both our customer service and product offering, which range from all things paint to one of the largest wallpaper ranges in the west of Ireland. We are major sockets of the leading paint manufacturers in Europe and the UK, these include Colour Trend, Dulux, Fleetwood, Crown, 
clean sheet, and many more. Why not call in and speak to a member of our team today for more information? That's at Tracy Decor, Rastami. Circle K, a convenience store offering a wide variety of products for people on the go. If you're looking for a great cup of coffee, a cold beverage, or fresh food on the go, then why not stop off at Casey's Circle K? Roscommon, we have premium quality fuels and excellent car washes. So for all your customer needs, pop in to Circle K every day. If you're a local group or club, Roscommon PPN is there to help you. If you are a member of a local group or club that wants to join others in working for the well-being of the people of County Roscommon, then joining Roscommon Public Participation Network can help you through sharing information, capacity building, communicating effectively with the County Council and influencing local government policy and services. Your group can join the 320 others already registered. For more information or to join, log on to www.roscommonppn.ie or call 090-66-66735. This is Martina Dockery from the Mixed Bag Music Show. I'm just dropping by to let you know about an exciting opportunity to advertise on RossFM 94.6 and on our website, rossfm.ie. Have your ad on the air this week and remind Roscommon that you are open for business. Take advantage of our competitive rates and submit your application today at rossfm.ie forward slash advertise. So do it today. We're waiting to hear from you. RossFM supporting local business.
Welcome back. You're listening to Note to Self with Adam O'Dwyer, listening live every Friday morning from 10am. 
You can listen from anywhere on the Ross FM website. And if you miss a week and want to catch up, check us out on Spotify and most major podcast outlets. During the break, we heard David Bowie and Elton John. If you're just tuning in on this week's show, we're discussing the origins of the Pride Festival. A few weeks ago, we had Ollie Bell, one of the organizers of the Trans and Intersex Pride on the show. The events that they put on are quite a bit different from your typical Pride events in that they shy away from a lot of the commercial aspects that have become prevalent in recent years. Have a listen. You could see that Pride was very much being taken over by corporations that was very like commercialized and really didn't go for the the kind of what Pride started off as. I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Stonewall. You know, that that was a fight for for their rights, a fight against like police brutality. It was, you know, the community standing up and standing in solidarity with each other. Uh, And Pride really started off as a protest. So we decided uh, in 2018, we wanted to have uh, a protest brought Pride back to its radical roots that uh, we wanted to, you know, kickstart a movement for trans and intersex uh, rights and that brought together the community, brought together trans people, intersex people, cis people, non-binary people, the other like wider LGBT people uh, community to come together and actually fight for trans and intersex rights. So I guess that's really where it started. Uh, We had our first protest in 2018 and then again in 2019. Since the pandemic, we haven't been able to to march on the streets, but hopefully by the time next year comes around, we will be able to go out onto the streets again. I'm actually really glad you said that about the the protest element of it, because when I was looking at the page, that's one of the things that I really liked about your page is that um, you do really highlight the fact that Pride was brought about as a protest. It wasn't. It is very commercialized now. And you see even companies i think it was recently disney was accused of supporting well bringing up pride merchandise but then not supporting lgbtq plus rights with any of their actual movies and editing things out for international releases so that's actually one thing that i really i'm glad you mentioned because i'm i've really liked that about the page what was it um that made you sort of um get tired of the commercial aspect of it i guess it was the kind like I could see within even my own friend group, fellow LGBT activists that that mainstream prides like Dublin Pride, there was this kind of like a lot of community groups are being pushed, you know, to the back and has all these like big floats of like Tesco's and Amazon and Google, and that these companies were allowed to I guess like sell us their products, but for like one month a year but then you see they don't do anything for the rest of the year and that they sort of just paint their logos rainbow for a month and they're like oh we support the lgbt community but then turn around and we'll support you know anti-lgbt policies if you'd like to listen to that full episode you can find it on spotify google podcasts Anchor, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and Breaker. 
Before we speak about the riots themselves, there's just one more bit of background information that I want to cover with you. Earlier in the show, I mentioned gay bars in New York. And something that's really important to know about these bars is that at the time, most of them were run by the mafia and would take advantage of the fact that the patrons had very few alternatives. Drinks would be overpriced and often watered down and even served in dirty glasses. But because the mafia would pay the police off, they would be tipped off before the raids, which would mean that there would also be very little alcohol supplies kept on site because they would be confiscated, so it would minimize the amount of losses they would have during these raids. At the time in New York City, Christopher Street in the West Village had become popular with the city's gay community. Christopher Street was also home of the now famous Stonewall Inn, which was a gay bar that was ran by the Mafia and would often facilitate sex work. The Stonewall was very popular as it was one of the only gay bars that had a dance floor and could facilitate people of the same sex dancing together. As I said before, in general, the staff would have been tipped off before a raid took place, but that doesn't seem to be what happened on this occasion. The raid was led by Deputy Inspector Seymour Pine, who was on a crusade to crack down on prostitution and organized crime. Deputy Pine had already raided the Stonewall once that week, but the raid hadn't been taken seriously by the owners, which spurred him to come back and do a second raid. So just to give a little bit of information on how these raids are conducted, usually when a place was raided, the lights would be turned on um, and the patrons would be lined up to have their IDs checked. Anyone dressed as a woman would be taken into the toilet to have their biological sex verified by a female officer. On that night, those who were released without charge didn't go home. Instead, they stood outside and booed the police. There are so many different accounts about what first started the rioting, so it's hard to say for sure, though there had only been approximately 200 people in the Stonewall at the time of the raid, the crowd quickly grew to more than 500 people who shouted, booed and even threw coins at police officers, presumably to symbolise the payoffs that the police had been taking from club owners. The situation escalated to such a degree that the tactical police force were brought in with riot gear. In 2004, Deputy Pine took part in a program for the New York Historical Society where he said that officers certainly were prejudiced but had no idea about what gay people were about. He also acknowledged that officers would routinely target gay people as a way to increase their arrest numbers because up until that point they had never given any trouble during arrests. That attitude may have been a contributing factor to the level of brutality that was taken by the task force when combating the rioters at Stonewall, as they were most likely expecting them to back down, which didn't happen. In fact, the riots started up in different parts of the city over the next few days. And the night after the initial riot, the people of Christopher Street blocked off the entrance to the street and only allowed queer people in as a demonstration to heterosexual people of what it was like to be discriminated against based only on your sexual preference. At the time, gay people could be fired from federal employment with no other reason than their sexuality. Many had been kicked out of their homes and forced into sex working. Many others were subjected to conversion or even electroshock therapy as a means of curing them. Tensions were high at the time the riots broke out. And despite this, there was only one fatality, a taxi driver 
who had a heart attack, likely from fear. A month after the riot, the Madakin Society and the Daughters of Bilitis organised a march that consisted of hundreds of queer people. On the anniversary of the Stonewall riots, LGBTQ people in New York and across the United States took to the streets to celebrate who they were. They kissed and held hands and even made signs and chanted out of the closet and into the streets. In New York, the march wasn't met with violence by the police who allowed it as they would any other. The march stretched 15 blocks and was the beginning of Pride. The events of Stonewall have been depicted in entertainment many times over the years, with the most recent being the 2015 movie Stonewall. The plot follows Danny Winters, a teenage boy from a small town in America who is kicked out of his family home after his parents discover that he's gay, so he flees to New York where he's scheduled to start university in the fall and has to leave his little sister behind. While in New York, he discovers the different ideological and political views around the gay rights movement and finds a new family amongst the gay community on Christopher Street. Though the film does follow fictional characters, it places them inside events that are documented to have happened at the time, so that when we get to the riots and we see some of the more flamboyant elements, like the chorus line or, or drag, we've built an emotional attachment to the characters and really care about the outcome for them. Here is a clip from the movie. Got you all figured out. Grew up in Kansas, and Mama probably baked apple pies. Yo, everybody, this here is Danny. Danny, welcome to New York. We're an organization that fights for gay rights. All right, it's a raid up against the wall. This is what we're fighting. We have to fight in a peaceful way and resist the radicalism that I see starting to take hold. There is no hope. There is no family, Danny. I like being mad. These kids have nothing left to lose. I can't love you. That's not the way, Danny. It's the only way. So we're having a parade to commemorate the fighting. I'm going to call it the Gay Liberation March. I'm coming. Hard time forget it, even hard to forget it. Before you do say, you might regret Despite taking place in New York, the Stonewall riots have had a global influence, with the first Pride event in the UK taking place in 1972. And then throughout the 70s, a number of other Pride events took place all throughout Europe. The message from the gay community was now less about fitting in with heterosexual society and more about spreading the message that being gay is good and that you should be proud of who you are. Over the years, Pride events have evolved to the point where they can now commonly be seen as more of a celebration of gay culture than anything resembling a protest. This has led to the argument that Pride has become over-commercialized, with big companies using the rainbow flag and Pride Month as a way to sell merchandise to consumers. It's hard to come to a definitive answer as to whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing. 
as there are some obvious pros and cons to the situation. Some of these companies have been publicly called out for selling Pride merchandise during Pride Month while having homophobic policies throughout the rest of the year. The disingenuous intentions of these corporations is obviously very frustrating for the people in the gay community. However, there is an obvious advantage to this, and that is that big corporate sponsorships can oftentimes spread the message farther than it may otherwise get. And this could mean that a person who is currently struggling to figure out who they are, who, what their sexual orientation is, or their gender identity, may see these positive messages that they otherwise wouldn't. They may also see a friend or family member wearing some of this Pride merch and know that they have an ally there if they need it. And to many, that is worth the frustration of the commercialization of Pride. Pride events take place in so many different countries throughout the world that it isn't always easy to remember why they're so important. I think the easiest way to show this is to remember that in almost 70 countries, being gay is still considered a crime. And in even more, while not illegal, gay citizens are denied basic human rights. And even at these pride events, which celebrate how far the community has come, there are still protesters who show up with the aim of revoking some of the rights that the LGBTQ community have fought for over the years. This is something that maybe a lot of people don't realise. And even within Irish society today, there are still a number of inequalities that the gay community faces, particularly around raising children and parental rights. Ireland had its first Pride event in June of 1974, and now in 2001, it's still legal for gay people to be subjected to conversion therapy though a bill to change this is currently being reviewed. I think it is fair to say that the need for pride isn't going to go away anytime soon. So where does that leave us? Well, in 2021, pride events were largely held virtually due to the restrictions of the COVID-19 pandemic. However, due to the development of vaccines, it is hopeful that physical events will be able to return in the near future. And having never been to a Pride event myself, I am very much looking forward to giving it a try and I would urge you to do the same and support a very necessary cause. That's all the time we have for today, but thank you so much for joining me. We do only have one hour, so it's impossible to cover everything. But if you are interested in learning more about Stonewall, please consider picking up the little book of Pride. You can find the BBC4 documentary that we sampled earlier online and the latest Stonewall movie is available on Amazon Prime. If you do want to listen to the full interview with Ollie Bell from the Trans and Intersex Pride group or any of the previous shows, you can find the podcast version on most major podcast outlets. You've been listening to Note to Self on Ross FM. I'm Adam Odwar and I hope you have a fantastic weekend and to finish up here is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide No escape from reality oh.
You're tuned in to Note to Self on Ross FM 94.6, presented by Adam O'Dwyer. Note to Self is on the airways every Friday between 10 and 11 a.m. Tune in on rossfm.ie forward slash live. That's Note to Self, presented by Adam O'Dwyer, on the airways every Friday between 10 and 11 a.m. Only on Ross FM 94.6.